0: End of march beginning of grading the nl west arm and peter apple welcome to the just baseball show this is an interesting division filled with an 107 win Giants in 2021 and 106 win Dodgers in 2021. We expected a lot more from the Padres, but we got a 79 and 83 record. The Rockies will continue to be the Rockies. They live on a different planet with 74 and 87, and the Diamondbacks failed to win 55 games, going 52 and 110. What's going on, Arm? Are you excited for this division? It's insane.
1: The T were low key, like. I, they were bad. I think that people don't realize how bad they were last year. Like so bad.
0: Makes 50 sense of that. Wins. 52 and 110. They're losing 70% of their games. It seems like. <laughs> I, yeah.
1: We'll talk about them. Um, yeah. It's it's a polarizing division. Uh, and I get it because it's like, why even bother if you are not close to competing, you know, why put all your chips forward which is why I see the Diamondbacks being slow and calculated. That's probably the right way to do it, even though it sucks to see them suck. That's why the Rockies make no sense. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about my Rockies, our Rockies, I should say, Jack McMullen on board as- Your Rockies. Yeah,
0: I I, want to make one thing clear. Arm and Jack have hopped on the Rockies bandwagon. I have not. And I don't even want to do it for the joke. I don't want to be associated. They're not living in the same planet of logic as I am. But with that being said- the Rockies people in their front office, I would assume are smarter than me. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that I am smarter than them. It's just how I think about the game and how they think about the game is vastly different.
1: Yeah. You know, here's the thing with the Rockies is, you know, I I really felt that way for a while. And then I watched what they did with Trevor story or didn't do. And with John Gray as well. And both of those guys got big deals. You know, they both got more than a qualifying offer and both of them were not tendered qualifying offers. The Rockies who are rebuilding, no matter what they do in terms of signing Chris Bryant, whatever, could have had two more draft picks. For this, you know, for this upcoming season or upcoming draft, they could have had two compensation picks and instead they don't because they didn't tender either of those guys a qualifying offer, which there is literally zero explanation. I tried to look through every single loophole in the, like, is there a little reason why? Is there some sort of weird reason why? And there wasn't one. I think they were afraid John might makes John Gray may accept the QO because he wanted to stay there. Maybe I get it with him. Trevor Story wasn't taking a qualifying offer. He never was going to take a qualifying offer. So I thought that was weird too, after not trading either of them. Um, So that one kind of hurts their grade a little bit when we get into it. And that also made me realize maybe they don't know what they're doing.
0: And that this wasn't this offseason, but I still don't understand trading Nolan Arenado and $50 million for four prospects while only one Austin Gomber is really making an impact for them. And you can define impact by any way you want because Austin Gomber is by no means an ace, but he is a pitcher in this league and an improving and a young one as well. Yeah, and he can pitch at altitude, which is, you
1: know, something you got to find. I, that that was a good get, I guess, not worth $50 million. Um, so it's pretty wild. At least that, that guy's out of there. Now it's Bill Schmidt. And we'll see what Schmidt does. For whatever reason, they're letting Schmidt spend some money. So should we start with the Rockies
0: or who should we start with? I say we go from how we think the division is going to stack So remember, we've already graded the NL East. We've already graded the NL Central and we give an arbitrary letter grade. Of course, it's impossible to truly predict how the offseason is going to go. And giving them a letter grade is almost kind of a dumb ish way to do it just because it's it's so hard, but it is fun and we're going to explain our thought processes behind the grade anyway so i think we should start with the 52 and 110 diamondbacks and the grade i would give them and you would give them as well because we talked pre-recording we would give the arizona diamondbacks this off season a c right and i'll throw it to you first or i can start just naming the guys who they eventually did because the list is not very long yeah go ahead (laughs) Because they didn't do anything to the offense besides giving a very good extension to their star. Cattell Marte, the face of the franchise, signed a five-year extension worth about $76 million in total. Solid. Really good, really good extension for a guy like Tom Marte bypassing arbitration. Remember, it's not going to he's not going to get 20, 30 million like he might deserve because he is bypassing a year or two of arbitration. But overall, a very solid move for one of the brightest stars in our game. And we just ranked our top 10 second baseman. He came in number four. So we really do like Tom Marte.
1: Yeah. And keep in mind, like the the D backs, it was rough last year, but you can see the path to success with the D backs more so than the Rockies, right? Like if the D backs were making the Rockies moves, I would almost be even more puzzled because the D backs have a couple guys that are right on the cusp. We think Alec Thomas is a dark horse for rookie of the year in the outfield. Uh, They have some pitching prospects that are really starting to impress that aren't too far off. They've got some talent at the big league level uh, with, with guys that we we've already seen. I mean, we like, Cattell, as we mentioned, but Dalton Varsho is an interesting piece. Carson, Carson Kelly is a good we ranked catcher. him in our top 10 catchers,
0: Carson Kelly.
1: So it, they've got some pieces. Corbin Carroll's not that far off. Jordan Waller should climb relatively quickly. So within the duration of that Cattell Marte deal, I think they're going to be ready to strike. Like they'll be ready to compete maybe two, three years down the road. And there's no reason for them to go crazy right now and go make insane moves. Uh, I, I like what they did you just can't give them a better grade than a C because they're not doing, they're not in a position to go get a better grade than a C. Uh, but I don't think that it was a bad off season by any means as they're, you know, rebuilding and trying to do it from within.
0: I think this was not the off season that they're going to make a ton of moves. Right. And we're giving them a C because I don't think they got any worse, but they didn't really impress by any means. They got Sergio Alcantara, um from the Cubs. And his 645 OPS last year, um, he's a bench bat infielder. You know, that's he's technically a player. They also got Zach Davies, who had a, you know, around a five ERA last year. Wasn't exactly dynamic for the Chicago Cubs. And now he slots in as the four starter in their rotation arm. Thoughts on the 89 mile an hour guy? Davies is a guy you fade. I know that. Um, he's a guy we fade. I mean, but- that's just how I know of him. No, low I mean, low-key
1: low acquisition, low-key acquisition pre-lockout, uh, that we easily forget about Jordan Luplo. Um, I like he low-key had a good year last year, uh, 116 WRC plus 11 home runs in 62 games, not a huge sample size. Uh, but I mean, he's, he's a decent platoon bat. He crushes lefties. So, I mean, that's a little bit of an offensive bump. Dave Davies is, is whatever I, I that guy's just eating innings in the meantime, right? Like they're just trying to get through this year. And I don't think they had anybody else to really eat innings. Uh, the additions that that are actually going to make a difference for them, I think, franchise-wise, is Mark Melanson, who you know is going to be able to shut down games whenever they're magically in the lead. Uh, and Ian Kennedy. I mean, the back end of that bullpen with Caleb Smith, Ian Kennedy, Mark Melanson, depending on how they use Caleb Smith. Not only are those three guys that are competitive, those are three guys that they could probably flip at the deadline. I think Melanson's one of the most obvious guys to get flipped at the deadline, and I'm expecting that to probably be the move that that they make that gets them the best return. Um, so I would expect Melanson uh, to probably get dealt. I don't know why he signed with them, other than maybe they were the only team willing to give him two years, and he knew, eh, I'll get traded to a contender by midway through the year. I like that
0: one. I mean, Melanson could get them a decent prospect if he looks like he did last year. Even even Ian Kennedy could as well. They got 65 saves from last year. Ian Kennedy and Mark Melanson combined. 39 for Melanson, 26 for Ian Kennedy. And I agree with you. They're going to flip them at the deadline. It seems very probable. A team like the Mets makes sense that they're going to go out and go get Mark Melanson at the deadline or possibly the Phillies. And maybe they'll part way with a decent prospect. The Diamondbacks can then load up again. But, you know, they also signed Oliver Perez, who is... Seventy-eight years old, and he looked like he was on his way out, and now he's back in, and he then looked like he was on his way out again, and then he's back in again, and he just—he's another lefty that they technically got. I think. you know what year he signed? Do you know what year he signed? Nineteen ninety-nine.
1: Yeah. How insane is that? It's so weird seeing that in roster resource. Nineteen ninety-nine. March of
0: 1999, 23 San Diego Padres. years ago. Uh,
1: yeah. Oliver Perez, good vet to have in the mix. I guess he threw three innings last year. Uh, so, I mean, I, I just can't believe he's still pitching. I remember watching him when I was like six years old. Uh, it, it's hard to really get excited about this offseason, but again, I mean, they're focused on the future. They don't want to take a B's away from most of their young guys. I'd expect David Peralta to probably get flipped as well. So they'll get an influx of some young prospects. I think, you know, come deadline time. And that's pretty much the name of the game for them right now. So we weren't expecting them to do anything crazy. And
0: they're just continuing to, to push away and plug through this rebuild. And the reason why we started with them first, of course, is because no matter what the Rockies do, there's more likely of a chance that the Rockies just finish with a better record. They won 22 more games last year and they're not that much worse. They're not that much better, but the Dimebacks are still definitely worse with Madison Bumgarner, Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallen. Like that's just not it. A trio of pitchers that you're very afraid of, and then you go to the lineup outside of Cattell, Marte, and Carson Kelly. There's not a ton to be excited about, but there is a lot to be excited about towards the future. But I don't see this team winning above 60 games next year. Do you? It's going to be tough, right? The, the thing that the Rockies always have in their to their advantage is that
1: course field uh, being oh, no, like, not the Rockies. I'm talking about. But the I'm diamond. saying, but I'm saying like that's oh, yeah, why yeah. they won that many more games. It's not that they're that much better. Now they are better, uh, but you know that's what they'll always have to their advantage. Uh, the the D backs. Yeah. I, I don't see them. They'll win a few more games this year. I think um, just cause they're built a little bit more, uh, I would say soundly depth wise and, and their younger guys got some more experience, but yeah, 60 wins. That's about the, that's about where I'm setting
0: the over under. That's even an eight game jump from last year. That just goes to show you where the Arizona Diamondbacks are currently at. So let's talk about the Colorado Rockies. Like we said last time, they are dealing like they are on Mars. They are not playing in the same ballparks that we are. They have different things that they want to get done during their offseason than we think they should get done. Overall, I would give the Colorado Rockies a C-minus during this offseason because I still don't know what they are doing. How? and, And then I'll start going through their different signings, just like we did last time. So remember, they lost Trevor Story and they lost John Gray. And they also lost Chris Owings and Jehula Shassin, but I don't think anyone really cares about that. What they did was they signed Chris Bryant to a seven-year, $182 million deal. They traded Raimel Tapia for Randall Gritchek. They signed Jose Iglesias to be their shortstop. Or, I mean, he's gonna bounce around with Brandon Rogers, of course, playing some shortstop as well. Um, they added Chad Cool to their rotation and they added Alex Columnate to their bullpen. Him, Daniel Bard, Carlos Estevez are going to be in the back end of the rotation. And that's about it. So let's talk about the big one, Chris Bryant, because although it makes their team better in 2022, seven years, one hundred eighty two million dollars for Chris Bryant. It's a lot of money and it's a lot of money when you consider a guy like Marcus Semien got less, a guy like Trevor Story got less. Does it make their team better? Yes. But how do you feel about the deal? So
1: even, even since we just talked about it before recording a few minutes ago, I was just thinking of, of just why this would happen and how this could happen. Like, I think Trevor story wanted no business returning. So on the offensive side of things, this one makes more sense. I'll get into John Gray because we know John Gray wanted to come back. So that one's a little bit more of a head scratcher. Chris, Chris Bryant might've been one of the few guys that was actually willing to come to this team, you know, cause we talk about value. Yeah, they probably could have shelled out one hundred and fifty million and gotten maybe a better player. But do we know if one of those players would be willing to actually go play for the Colorado Rockies? That might be the problem. And and at that point, can they control that? You know, that's where I'm I'm interested to to kind of just discuss that is it's a good pickup for them, because that might be the best player that was willing to come to Colorado, if that's the case, it's a good pickup. It's they had to overpay and they did uh, like Brian's a good player. He'll be great there. Uh, it's, it's,
0: it's really interesting. My only pushback to that is what other teams were offering him seven for one eighty two? right? I don't think anybody, the, I don't think anybody, that's so the only reason why he's a rock? did he really want to go to the Rockies or did they just pay him $50 million more than everybody else? And he said, all right, I'll take the money because when you consider the semien deal, when you consider the story deal, the Javier Baez deal, a lot of guys around at least his play style or at least his production level got far less money. And even Brian is not some spring chicken. You didn't sign Chris Bryant as a 27 year old. You signed him as a 30 year old. So that's just where I'm thinking Did Chris Bryant really want to go to the Rockies or did they so far overpay him more than his market value that he said, you know what? I know my numbers are going to be great in Colorado. I even wrote an article detailing why I think Chris Bryant has an outside shot at the MVP at plus 4000. His numbers are going to be great. His batted ball profile mixes very well with Coors Field. But does that necessarily mean that that was a good deal? Because I think seven for 182 for Chris Bryant is objectively not a good deal. Does it make them better next year when we're grading? Yes. But I think a C minus is very fair. And even we can keep talking about the Chris Bryant deal, or we can move on to the Ryan McMahon signing, you know, the extension that they gave him six years for $70 million. Is he a guy that's even worth a six year deal? I know he's a great defender, but he's a 95 WRC plus. You were telling me that pre-record. like this guy is not a six-year extension guy, in my opinion. So it's like they're they're locking up their guys. They are better, but are they better long term? Are these actual good deals? No, like in in a
1: vacuum, no. I don't think either of them are great deals. I just I try to relate it to their situation, and I'm thinking there's no way Semyon plays for them, right? Like I don't even think he takes an offer from them. Uh, and they'd have to outbid that 175. So I don't know what the best, we don't know what the best offer was for Chris Bryant. Obviously they beat it. Uh, Chris Bryant's a West coast guy. So he was probably a little bit more willing to go out there. I just think Chris Bryant might've been the only guy that was even returning their phone calls. Like, I think he literally might be the only guy that was not like, there's no shot I'm going to play for that shit show franchise and no offense to Rockies fans. I think that's just, I think that's just the reality of it. But to answer to, to, to your point, Not a great value signing, um, might not age great, but what else do you do? You know, if they wanted to be decent this year, what would be another move that you could make? Maybe you go try and get Conforto, maybe you try and get Castellanos. If none of those guys want to go there, then then what do you do? Um, And this isn't to push back on C-minus, it's more so to just kind of paint a picture of their hands might have just been tied. Um, But that doesn't doesn't make it a better offseason for them.
0: And then we were even talking pre-recording is the additions of Chris Bryant, Randall Gritchick. Or we don't even really have to put Randall Gritchick in because that was a trade. They didn't really have to spend any money. So really, the additions of Chris Bryant, Jose Iglesias, and Chad Cool, or would you rather have John Gray and Trevor Story? Because for the money, 182 million versus, what did John Gray get? Around four for 56, and 56. Trevor Story got about six for 140. Yeah. So it's about... 196 million for Trevor Story and John Gray versus 182 for just Chris Bryant, and you can make the argument that Trevor Story is just as good as Chris Bryant, if not better. I think Story wanted out, though, right? So if Story,
1: if Story's departing, they can't control that. They can't control that. But John Gray, to your point there, that dude wanted to come back. He literally said it. He said it. And for four for 56, like that's a guy that showed that he could have success there. Like, do it. Pay, it. pay. That's what really kills their grade. If they brought back John gray, how about this? I think this is a really good way to put it. Let's say they bring back John gray and they swapped out Chris Bryant for Trevor story. I think we're, we're pushing closer to C plus B minus range here.
0: Agreed. I think we are too. Maybe not B minus because B minus is a, is a pretty good off season. that's yeah. still not a great off season, but I agree. We're not, we're, we're not C, giving them I a C, C minus. It's a I think C plus. We're C or C plus. I agree. Yeah.
1: Because I, like at that point, it makes a little bit more sense where it really, and, and again, I think what really hurts their grade too is not, I'm, I'm including not extending the QO that's part of the off season. They didn't extend the qualifying offer to either of those guys. To me, that's ineptitude. That's, that's just malpractice. So those two really hurt. I do like the Gritchuk pickup though. I I did like that trade. You trade a guy who hits ground balls on the moon, which is the one place you don't want to hit ground balls for a guy that has some pop dude. And like, I think he's going to hit 30, 30 home runs this year and without a problem, really. So Gritchuk is an, is an upgrade that move. I think really kind of helped salvage their off season and Gritchuk should be a decent piece for them. Um, but outside of that, man, I mean, are, are you really getting excited about anything else? I think Alex Colomay was a good, was a good pickup as well. I lean closer to C, but I have no issue with C minus. For example, do you think they win more than 74 games next year? I think they could just because the giants are weaker and the Padres are weaker and the D backs are the D backs, but I don't think they're much better of a team it, for the, for the sake of your question. So I, yeah, that's why they're like the same team. Essentially. I, I really agree. Think they're, they're essentially the same team.
0: When um, I look at the roster, I see the same team just a little bit worse and they could benefit from other teams in the division taking a small step back. But I think overall, this is a worse team than 2021. That's where we go with C- minus because it's not like they even stayed the same. I think they got a little bit worse. It may not reflect in the overall win total, like I said, when you compare them and the competition that they'll be facing. But I still would be surprised if they won more than 75 games. Let's talk about the San Diego Padres because... The San Diego Padres, to me, were a bit of a disappointment this offseason, so, but I'm still going to give them a C C+. They're not worse than last year, but the San Diego Padres had a chance to really overtake the Giants in this division, make some major splashes. And yes, were they a bit handcuffed? Absolutely. Could they have been more active on the trade market? I think so. They got rid. Well, they didn't get rid. Tommy Pham left. Mark Melanson left. Daniel Hudson left. And but which is a plus. They got rid of Vince Velasquez and Jake Arrieta. So you take that, you know, take that as you will. But they just didn't really do much. They got Luke Voigt in a trade with the Yankees for Justin Lange, who that was a great pickup for them. No doubt about that. They pick up Jorge Alfaro, who we've talked about at length on these podcasts as. As Jorge Alfaro, I'll let you go into that more. Matt Beatty is a guy who just needs kind of an opportunity. Um, He's He's always a good bench bat, definitely a a good, good bench bat. Good bench bat was on the Dodgers for a while. And if you squint really a lot, he could kind of look like Max Muncy. He's not going to play like Max Muncy, but if you squint, it's kind of it's kind of a version of Max Muncy. They signed Nick Martinez out of Japan for a four-year deal. That's something we have to talk about. And they also picked up Robert Suarez for their bullpen, who's going to be in the back of their bullpen. He's a nice piece. But this doesn't have anything to do with their offseason, but just a reminder that Fernando Tatis Jr. is now out for three months. So right now, ha Seong Kim is their starting shortstop, and Jerickson Profar is their starting left fielder. Will Myers is still in right field, and Eric Hosmer is still at first base. When you get beyond Luke Voigt, The offense just doesn't look the same. And right now, Nick Martinez is slotted in, even though they still have Denelson Lamette, They still have Chris Paddock and an emerging Mackenzie Gore. So that's why right now we're at a C plus. I don't think that they got worse than last year and a couple of their moves I do like, but overall they didn't do too much. So a C plus seems fair.
1: Yeah. I mean, like they're already pretty maxed out financially. And I think what really ended up, hurting them is, is poor off seasons in the past, right? They, they didn't have an opportunity to do much this off season because of some of the aforementioned contracts uh, extending pro far, I think was, was a bit of a mistake. I, I didn't like that move. And I think that's already looking pretty bad there. Will Myers was a while back, but that's a lot of money that's tied up. Machado is a good deal, but that's expensive, obviously. So they've got a lot of money. And then Hosmer, of course, is an immovable contract. Hassan Kim, not going to fully say it's a bad deal yet. He's only played one year, but it doesn't look like a great deal yet either. Uh, They're tied up financially. So what could they have done? I think they made the one move for the highest upside bat that they could reasonably obtain, which are attain, which is Luke Voigt. I love that deal. I think that's what really makes that offseason a positive rather than a a neutral or negative uh but nick martinez for four years 24 million is that what it was 22 million we don't know much on nick martinez we can't pretend we do it was about it was pretty surprising to see him get four years given that he hasn't pitched stateside uh but they must. they must see something so it's hard to judge that move I like the Beatty trade. I think that's a that's a great low cost addition. Alfaro, um, that guy will will swing and miss more than anybody in the world, but he can run into some baseballs as we've already seen this spring and is not a bad depth piece, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's it's hard to really get excited about the offseason. I think letting Mark Melanson walk is something that they might really regret. And I don't know why they let seven million dollars annually over two years really. Uh, dissuade them uh, from being able to keep a closer. They've got a little bit of a question mark in that regard.
0: I want to talk about the catching situation for a minute because they have Austin Nola, Victor Caratini, and now Jorge Alfaro, but they also have Luis Campusano, their best catching prospect waiting in the pipe who's already had big league experience. Do you think that they got Alfaro because they really thought they were going to be able to package Campusano with a Will Myers or an Eric Cosmer in a trade and it didn't work out? That's what I'm curious about because then why sign Jorge Alfaro? Is it to play shortstop?
1: They traded him for, they traded a player to be named later who hasn't been named. So I think they maybe looked at it like a screw it. Uh, this is an u- Uber talented physically uh player. Yeah, he is. Maybe they think they can, they want to give him a, take a flyer uh, as a bench bat, but yeah, I don't really get it other than the fact that Austin Nola can't stay healthy at all. We we know that. And, and Caratini if, if you're stuck with Caratini and a, a rookie, uh, you're you're in trouble. Not that Alfaro your saving grace, but at least it's another another option in there. That's the only thing I can think of. I think it also gives them the ability to, hey, if we if the opportunity presents itself, we can trade Camposano. That's the only guy I think I'd be okay with trading out of their top 100 dudes. Uh, but I think it's more so just they don't trust that Nola can stay healthy, and they don't trust. Camposano yet and in, in a bulk role, which I always say, if you are, if you are expecting rookies, their prospects to contribute. You're going to set yourself up for failure. Um, so I think they were just doing just that making sure they're not just banking on Camposano like they did in the past.
0: I'm also disappointed that they didn't add a corner outfielder because currently jerks and profile is the left fielder. It's not good enough. Just simply not good enough. If you want to make the playoffs, what was stopping them? And we say if they were handcuffed, let's say they didn't sign, say Suzuki say they didn't sign Michael Conforto, which they still have the opportunity to do. So maybe then we change the grade because I think Conforto makes a lot of sense for San Diego, they didn't sign Nick Castellanos. They didn't sign any of these guys, but they were in on all of these guys making, making it seem like they know that they need a corner outfielder, but Jesse Winker was a reportedly available and he was available because he got traded to the Mariners. That's why I'm a little bit disappointed. Not only have they not signed a corner outfielder, you could have traded for one. For example, like if they traded Campusano in a deal and got Winker and maybe another piece, are you t- saying to the Padres? Oh, wow. What a terrible deal. I wouldn't be at all. No, but I think it would take more. It, you know? it might take more, but look at what, look Campos- at what
1: the, look at what the, the Reds just got. I mean, not only did they get uh, Brandon Williamson, but they also got Justin Dunn and they were relieved of one of the worst contracts in baseball. So I, I wonder if, 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 the Padres were really even able to do it, they probably would have had to part with, with somebody even more or, or several prospects probably Hassel would have had to be included. I'm with you. I just think that system is so depleted that if they put all their chips forward now, like they're screwed if they don't win. And I don't know if you can look at this team and say like, Oh, let's, let's put all the chips forward. Now. I think you got to wait. See how it goes a couple months into the season, especially if Tatis. What if Tatis isn't right? Like, what if Tatis is really struggling? And that's the big thing too. I think it's got to hurt the off season a little bit that they didn't keep Tatis off a motorcycle. Uh, that's got to hurt the grade a little bit too. Um, which, I, which accident? Yeah, which accident? I heard I you guys. Keep, I keep
0: coming about. back to that. I, I know. I c- I, heard I, you heard you,
1: I mean, look, I don't want. We don't need to beat a dead horse here, but like, I mean, dude, I, I understand, I understand like, you know, you're excited. You you feel invincible when you get $300 million. But I mean, not only is it just scary that one of the best talents in the game could have could have permanently injured himself. Like look at what happened with mad bum after falling on a vehicle. Uh, This really screws his team. They, they, they have every right to be pissed at him. Like every right to be pissed at this guy. And this also a dude that already had shoulder issues. Like what are you doing? Uh, So, uh, you know, I, I, think, maybe they knew about that a little bit earlier too and that might have shifted things in terms of how aggressive they wanted to be out of the gate and wait until to see how until he returns here's the thing peter this team is still good enough to stay afloat for the first couple months of the season right Absolutely. they'll beat up on the rockies they'll beat up on the d-backs they'll, they'll they're good every 3 out of 5 days or you will see when clevenger comes back is he He's supposed slated.
0: to be- Yeah, Yeah. I think he's right to roll. Like this rotation with Levenger and if Gore is great and Paddock can be good. And and Denelson Lament when he's on is absolutely disgusting. And that doesn't even count all their other pitchers. Like, so their pitching is great. I'm just worried about the offense and the bullpen. The bullpen is still pretty good, but it's not great. But I did just put them third because we still have the Giants and the Dodgers to do in this episode. Are you okay with having the Padres at the number finishing third place in the division. Like if you were to project, you would have the Padres finishing third as would I. Yes. My closing thoughts too, by the way, as you, as you highlight the pitching before we go on
1: to the next team, maybe just maybe a good start to the season. Let's say, you know, some of their arms are, are exceeding expectations. Maybe they have an opportunity there to to go make a trade where Paddock is packaged for an outfielder or something like that. I still think they're going to strike, Peter. So that's why I mean we can't change our offseason grade on speculation. But I'm going to say like put a little asterisk because we both I know you agree too. Preller is going to do something, and I think he's just waiting for the right spot. I'm not going to say it's it's a, the wrong move, but if we're grading up to this point, that's all we can do. That that
0: sees what is it C plus. See, uh, yeah, we gave him a C plus. Yeah, yeah C for, plus is the
1: grade, but I, I think they could they could salvage this and still make some good moves.
0: There's a couple of GMs in baseball. I never really count out. It's AJ Parler, of San Diego Padres. It's Dave Dombrowski of the Philadelphia Phillies. And that is, of course, Brian Cashman of the New York Yankees. You just can't count these guys out. For example, I won't get into the Yankees right now, but the. Deal with the A's is still very possible. I still think Dave Dombrowski is going to add more bullpen help. Like he, and it's going they're to absolutely to the wire, but they just do things that they're going to figure it out. And they're, they get bored and they're just like, I kind of want to spend some more money here right now or make a trade. I'm just kind of bored. You know, Yeah, they're fearless they're fearless. So now we move into the better grades category and it's two of the best teams in baseball last year. They met in the playoffs and it was a hard-fought series ultimately with the Dodgers winning, but we're going with the San Francisco Giants in second place in this division and when you look at their off-season I would give the San Francisco Giants an A- and I think that's really fair. When we go and look at their team Did they lose Kevin Gosman, who was phenomenal for them last year? Yes. Did they lose Chris Bryant, but he only played a half season. But losing a half season of Chris Bryant is something to note. Um, You know, they lost Johnny Cueto. They lost a great platoon bat in Donovan Salado. They lost Tony Watson, as well as some projects in Aaron Sanchez and a pretty solid outfielder for them in Alex Dickerson. But another plus, they got rid of Jose Guantana. So good on them. But when you look at the lineup, they signed Jock Peterson to fill in for Alex Dickerson. who That's a better signing than Alex Dickerson would have been. And I think the Braves are kicking themselves because they just kind of flip flopped They lost yeah. Jock Peterson, got Alex Dickerson. Um, and then in the rotation, Carlos Rodon, two years, 44 million. Love right. that deal. Alex Cobb, love, love, love that deal. They re-signed Alex Wood, love that deal as well. And then in the bullpen, they really just added Jacob Junis. To the best bullpen in baseball last year, the Jake McGee, Tyler Rogers, Dominic Leon, even Jarlene Garcia, Zach Latell was even good in spots, but Camilo Doval, my favorite reliever for next year is finally getting slotted into the um, closer role after what we saw him do in the playoffs. Another just off the cuff, um, not has anything to do with their offseason, but it has something to do with the Giants. Evan Longoria is slated to start the year injured. He had finger surgery, a ligament repair um, just a couple of days ago on March 29th. So that's he he's not out for the season, but that's just somebody that they won't have for opening day. Let's start with the big one in Carlos Rodon signing a two years, $44 million because with him, it's all about whether the arm looks good. Is he throwing 90 to 91 or is he throwing 96 to 98? Yeah. And right now he's throwing 96 to 98. He looks good like the Carlos Rodon of old, I believe in the giants ability to do all the searching that maybe I don't have to do on their medicals because I just trust in the giants. I don't, if the giants found little problems, I don't think that they would have signed him. What do you think about the Carlos Rodon deal?
1: I think he landed in the perfect place, right? He landed in a place where one, the things that you just said Two, he doesn't need to go more than five. We saw how electric this bullpen was last year. Yes. They lost a couple of dudes. They've got guys that this bullpen shortens the game, right? So they only need, they only need Rodon to go five and, Mm -hmm. and Rodon is going to thrive in the role that they expect out of him. He could not have landed in a better spot. I, I, I love the Rodon signing. I think most teams were probably Scared, understandably so, and probably were more willing to go one year with like a like a mutual option. And the Giants said, no, like we're going to manage you right and we'll give you two years. It's a risk for anybody, no matter how smart of an organization you are, it's a risk. But I think this was the best landing spot for him. And he's not going to be asked to, to go six, seven innings. This bullpen will shorten the games for him. I, I think it's a perfect spot. Great signing that really catapulted
0: this offseason. And a couple other veterans who don't need to go, don't need to go more than five, but in those five innings, I'm very confident in Anthony Descalfani was phenomenal for them last year. They re-signed him. Alex Wood, another guy great for them last year, re-signed a guy who doesn't go a ton of innings, but in those innings, he's very solid. And then Alex Cobb, I really want to talk about because Colby and I were talking about on not gambling advice. We were talking about him in a fantasy aspect and Colby came across with the very hot take that if you're looking for next year's Kevin Gosman, Alex Cobb is that guy, the splitter usage. He was very successful in Los Angeles with the angels last year that, and if you're successful with the angels as a pitcher (laughs) and then you go to the giants, yeah come on now, he's going to take another step forward because we're not that far removed from how dominant Alex Cobb was on the, on the raise. But then he went to the Orioles and he kind of became an afterthought, fell really under the radar. Then he picks it back up, goes to the angels much better. Everything is ticking up. Now he goes to the giants where it just feels home.
1: Yeah, this is another good pickup. I, I think this is a guy that already was, was showing some great things in the, in the profile. He fits that mold, as he said, and as Colby said, fits the exact mold of the guys they look for. And then also to, to wrap up on the pitching side of things, I don't know when he's supposed to return, but Matthew Boyd was good last season for the for the Detroit Tigers. That's a really, really good depth arm there. The guy in in 78 and two thirds innings this past season pitched to a 389 ERA, uh 4.1 FIP too. So I, I think that's a great, you know, sixth arm in your rotation to have. And could be a long reliever type. So another good value signing there. As you said, I love on the offensive side getting Jock Peterson. I, I think that's a guy that gives you more and is a bit more dynamic uh, than what you had before. I am extremely, extremely, extremely concerned about the catching position. And yes, that's I'm what holds them back a little bit for me. You can't fault them for having Buster Posey retire and all the best of Buster Posey
0: uh, in his next stage of his of his life. Uh, I, but it terrifies me. No, before we get into Joey Bart, can I interject one thing about Buster Posey? When we were ranking our top 10 catchers, right? And we're looking at all the offensive stuff we're projecting for next year. We might have ranked Buster Posey one next year. And he retired. He retired. I'm trying to find another time where that might have happened. My mind goes to David Ortiz when he retired as a DH. Yeah, he had the best year he's like ever had. (laughs) He was insane. but how often does that happen when you retire at the peak of your powers? It's actually a great question I should have for, for, for Jeff uh, on
1: our next recording session for Jeff Conine. Uh, like, what, when did you see a guy retire at the at his peak? It's rare. Uh, it's rare. And and I know, like, for sure, Posey would have been in the top three. He was so freaking good last year. And now they're stuck with I think Kirk Casale a good backup. But Joey Bart's a big question mark for me. I am not worried. high on him not high on him as a prospect. And that's a guy that that you're expecting to be your everyday catcher. Um, That's the one gripe I have here. I'm not giants fans.
0: Giants fans are definitely going to be interested in that. Can you just break that down a little bit more? Because we've talked about it a lot about the problems with the bat a little bit. We've talked about the problems with the glove, that the fact that he hasn't necessarily hit a ton in the minors, but he's not coming up maybe like a Patrick Bailey, who we're a bit more excited about than Joey Bart. And maybe Patrick Bailey, maybe this is one season of Joey Bart, as Patrick Bailey isn't ready yet maybe then they trade Joey Bart, but why are you out on Joey Bart? And you're not saying that he just is going to be terrible. And you're saying that you are just, you have less expectations than a lot of giants fans do. Yeah. I think most of the industry prospect wise.
1: And, and honestly, like for me, it's just, he got blown up with elevated heat. Uh, he's got a lot of kinks in his swing. Um, I think he hit about 111 against fastballs, 94 miles an hour and above, not a great approach. Uh, And, and, you know, I think the defense is good enough and that's, what's going to get him through it. He's going to run into baseball still too. Uh, You're hoping, I think at this point for like an Austin hedges type, like that's how concerned I am about the bat, but if he can give you that type, if he can progress that much defensively, then I think you're happy for this year. And then you can reassess next year. Cause I agree. Bailey is a guy that has a lot more to offer, I just think he he doesn't have what it takes offensively to to be that everyday catcher um, unless his defense takes a huge leap.
0: And I was listening to the prospects mailbag, our the uh, Monday episode with with you and Jack, and it was a phenomenal episode answering a bunch of questions from our Instagram at just baseball fans um, about all the different prospects. And you talked about ceiling versus floor, and the difference is. There's just a wide range of outcomes for a lot of these different prospects. When we're talking between ceiling and floor, would Joey Bart be a guy who falls into the wide range of outcomes conversation?
1: Yeah. And what's making me more nervous about him is I'm seeing like the ceiling start to cave in on him a little bit, because before I was like, okay, I can see what he can be. But now as I see him struggling with heaters, as I see him flying open, as I see him, you know, chasing breaking balls, cause he's trying to cheat for fastballs. I'm like, that ceiling is starting to cave in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, he is that wide range of outcomes guy. There's still a chance that he puts it together and becomes an offensive threat. He's always going to strike out, but could be like a 20 plus home run guy and, you know, play some good defense. So yeah, he kind of fits that mold. Whereas Patrick Bailey is that higher floor bat to ball skills, uh, athletic. Uh worst case scenario, I think he's he's gonna hit 280, 275, maybe not as much power as you'd hope, but it has that higher floor. I his his ceiling isn't as high. So that's kind of what it looks like for me. I think that's a great, a great point and, and a great case to make. Um also as if we're talking prospects, I got a shout out real quick before I forget. Just oh, yeah. interviewed Jack Leiter on the call up. Uh check that episode out. I think you'll enjoy it.
0: We'll put that episode in the link description, the call up that's arms prospect pod. You've sure you guys have heard um, us talk about it on these episodes. Got to check it out in the episode link description arm talks with Jack Leiter about pitching. So let's wrap up with the Giants here, because I think just baseball is very split. Right. I think just baseball is very split on the Giants. A lot of people, some people are very high on them, me included. Some people are a little bit lower on them. I would say you are included in that in that conversation. My thing here is with the Giants is that they won 107 games last year. Losing Evan Longoria certainly doesn't help. Brandon Belt is another year older and Brandon Crawford is another year older, but this is a team with the most coaches in baseball. Their coaching staff is the largest. They have a bunch of platoon bats on their bench. They're going to do a lot of the same things that they did last year. And the rotation looks great again with the best bullpen in baseball or at least close to the Braves, like with the white Sox, like all of these bullpens are phenomenal losing Buster Posey. I'm dropping 10 games at minimum. Ten games, like Buster Posey's war, might have been four point whatever. Yeah, no, it's I know, he's a literal ten war player. He's, J- J- Buster Posey is a t- ten win difference. He's uh, a ten win. Joey difference. Bart, especially the go, Joey Bart. I'm gonna go 107 to 97 like that. After that, I don't see a lot of reasons to start taking off wins. That's my fair. thing. Is the only reason I'm gonna start taking off wins is just regression to the mean because that's how baseball is where this is a zero sum game. Some guys are going to have great years and other guys are going to have bad years. So I'm going to take seven wins, which is a lot. And I come to 90 wins for this giants team. And I even think I'm undervaluing them again, but you are on the 83 win team. Please make your argument for the giants being an 83 win team, because I am so done doubting this team, dude. I do not want to be, oh yeah, maybe the Giants are decent again. Then they win a hundred games again. I just don't want to be on that side, but there are other areas of difficulties here. I hear you for sure. I mean, I see.
1: And and when I look at, I mean, even this conversation we've had, you know, makes me a little bit more, just looking at the pitching a little bit more confident, but injury risk is just really concerned. I know they manage workload really well, but this team isn't quite as deep as they were. Um, and I, like you talk about regression, if Darren Ruff isn't great now, who, who the hell is your DH? <laughs> like who is DHing for you? Uh, like that's where I start to get worried. Is Brandon Crawford going to match what he did last year? If he doesn't, uh, is Brandon belt going to be able to stay healthy? That guy gets hurt all the freaking time. Uh, how long is Evan Longoria going to be out? Uh, Jock Peterson, is he going to have to end up facing more lefties now? Their whole lineup is lefties right now. So I i just, I'm very worried about one, the catching situation Two, Carlos Rodon is hit or miss. I still love the pickup, but is concerning. I, I think with the depth that they have now, pitching wise, they'll be okay there. I'm just worried about this lineup. It's a lot of old guys. You took a step back last year and I'm worried that, Losing Posey in the in the heart of that lineup is really going to hurt them. That's just my case. But I, if Brandon Bell's healthy, we saw what he can freaking do. I believe Crawford made some tangible adjustments in the box. Uh, but I, I'm worried Bart's going to could border on non-competitive. And I'm worried Ruff's going to take a step back, even though I freaking love that guy. And at that point, you know, you're hoping Longoria comes back. And is, is he going to be good? Or does the age really start hitting him now? They got a lot of guys there in their mid 30s.
0: You could almost spin that around and say the veteran presence guys know what to do. They're also not going to be relied upon to hit play 160 games like this team. The way they got the most out of their stars was just platooning everybody because you're right. They're all lefty dominant. But then on their bench, they have Tyro Estrada, a righty, Mauricio Dubon, a righty, Austin Slater, a righty. And then Kirk Casale, also a righty. But then again, to your point and why those are valid concerns is the fact that Mike Estremski going to be 32 years old. Tommy La 33 years old. Brandon Crawford, 35 years old. Brandon Belt, 34 years old. Darren Ruff, going to be 36. Jock Peterson, not a spring chicken. Thir- going to be 30 years old. Wilmer Flores seems younger than he is, but he will be 31 years old. Even a guy like Steven Duggar, 28 years old. Joey Bart is the youngest on the roster and he's not a spring chicken A catcher. He's not like this 22 year old super prospect. He's a 25 year old just getting the first taste in the bigs. So the the, valid, the the concerns are certainly valid there. And Lamont it's Wade's just, already hurt. And Lamont Lamont Wade is already hurt. And that's someone we haven't really talked about. But Lamont Wade is also a 28-year-old with knee inflammation, bone bruise. Don't love that. But yeah. he will be back healthy. But he's another guy that they can platoon. They just, it's like the starting lineup will not be the starting lineup day in and day out. It's going to be a mix of everything. And you know, they did it last year. They won 107 games with basically this team on offense outside of Posey and a half season of Chris Bryant. I just don't see a ton of regression because I think there's a lot of things left to be answered, but who is one of the best organizations at answering questions that are left to be unanswered. I mean, when we look around the league, the Rays have a lot of questions, but we have no problems with that.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a fair, it's a fair assessment. I, I think they're going to make a move still. I, I think the giants can make a trade. I uh, Maybe also someone I really want to see come up and maybe help them is Heliot Ramos. If Elliot Ramos is is big league ready by the midpoint of the season, that's a righty bat. I, I just really want to see another righty bat in the fold there. Uh, and that's going to be something that'll be worth following. Uh, but it, Ramos struggled a little bit at the AAA level, finished strong. That's a guy that I, I really, if he's hitting, if he's hitting well, that's somebody that could really help them, but they have so many prospects or systems good. I'd like to see them make a trade for a righty bat uh, and we'll see if they do that. But yeah, this is a team that is, is interesting. I, I just, I'm worried about the age and that's, that's really what's going to going to hold me back because I don't like the righty bats that can offset some of that or the older lefty bats.
0: Let's wrap up with their rival, the Los Angeles Dodgers. We would give this off season an a, what do you want us to say? People, they signed Freddie Freeman, but we're going to go through everything and give you the reason why it's an a, because it's not just because of Freddie Freeman, the Dodgers are just the Dodgers and they continue to roll. They lost Max Scherzer. Not good. They lost Corey Seager. Not good. They re-signed Clayton Kershaw. They re-signed Chris Taylor. They lost out on Kenley Jansen, which is not a good sign, which is not a good sign. Only one year, 16 million. He was one of, he was their best reliever last year. I'm actually like trying to, amazing, but Kenley Jansen at least was their closer last year. They re-signed Jimmy Nelson, which I do like, but losing Joe Kelly, Corey Kniebel, Ah, Unfortunately, they lost Albert Pujols, the goat, and uh, no Steven Souza anymore or Shane Green or Cole Hamels at the time. But the big signing, Freddie Freeman, they got him. And I can tell you how much money he made. I can tell you how many years, but you don't really care. And neither do the Dodgers either because there's opt-outs involved and they're totally fine with however much money they spend because they spend the most money out of anybody. We're going to get to him in a second. They also signed Hanser Alberto, a right-handed hitter who can play some infield and hit lefties pretty decently, actually. Um, They also signed Andrew Heaney to their rotation, one-year $8 million deal. We're definitely going to talk about that one. Um, And then they also signed Daniel Hudson to counteract I guess the Kenley Jansen signing that was after the lockout and they got Tyler Anderson from the Mariners or he was on the Pirates as well Um, but they just grabbed him up they also signed Danny Duffy and they Tommy Canely is not a guy that they signed last year but he's a guy that's coming back for them off Tommy John so they have a very exciting team obviously so you add Freddie Freeman to this lineup Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncie. Will Smith, Justin Turner, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, AJ Pollock. And when you look at projected WRC plus compared to the 1927 Yankees, they're right on par. That goes to show you what kind of lineup this has. Talk to me about Freddie Freeman arm.
1: Yeah. I mean, like Freeman just offsets the Seager loss. Right. And you didn't even care because you have Trey Turner at shortstop and now Muncie just moves over to second. So that that is just the, the move that almost seals the deal for them in terms of, of making this a phenomenal offseason. Scherzer, you know, I'm not going to, we can't really subtract from that because they got him knowing he was going to be a rental to make their push last year. Turner was the guy that was part of the more long-term plan and, and they have him now. Uh, and he just made 21 million in arbitration, which you don't see very often. Uh, I, I love everything they've done so far. And, and Freeman, I mean, not only does he bring a steady bat to them now, he he brings, uh, you know, Seager had his health issues and, and, and was struggling to stay on the field. Now you have Trey Turner at short, and Freeman gives you almost the same offensive production with more reliability in terms of being in the lineup I love it. Also, don't sleep on bringing back the hero last year, Chris Taylor. Uh, bringing him back was huge. The defensive versatility, uh, the speed, the power, uh, the ability to hit all over the lineup. I, that That is a guy that I think is a game changer uh, and is an X factor for any team. And, and to bring him back was big time. And we were worried about the pitching. I love that they brought back Kershaw. It would be ridiculous for him to be anywhere else. We, we didn't even understand why he would go anywhere else. And now their rotation looks a bit safer and a bit more exciting to get through until Dustin may comes back.
0: And let's talk about the rotation for a second, because you got Walker Bueller and Julio Arias, two aces in this league, two top 10 pitchers in this league. You got Clayton Kershaw, one of the best pitchers of all time now at, you know, at 34 years old, what kind of version of Clayton Kershaw are we going to get? Probably not that one of old, but still a very solid Clayton Kershaw if he can stay healthy. At the back end of the rotation, you got guys like David Price, you got Tony Gonsolin, you got Andrew Heaney, but they will be getting back Dustin May. My only thing is, I was confused, quite honestly, with the Andrew Heaney signing. They see things in the spin rates, they see things that they do like that they think are tangible that they can latch onto and make a few tweaks that he wasn't able to in New York. But what I saw in New York was one of the worst starting pitchers I've ever seen. I'm not kidding you. Like we're talking about how Joey Gallo was bad as Yankee. Andrew Heaney was Andrew Heaney was closer to Jay Bruce than he was to Joey Gallo. I didn't understand one year for 8 million, but I'm not a guy who's going to doubt Andrew Friedman and the Dodgers. I think they're looking at that as a flyer, but 8 million seemed like a lot. That's the only hole I can poke in this entire offseason and why it's not an 8 plus is because I don't really understand the Andrew Heaney setting. But then again, they're smarter than me and he'll probably go have a 4-2 ERA next year.
1: Jordan Lyles got 7, right? Uh, Jordan Lyles got 7 million. It was just, that's just like what the
0: pitcher, what pitchers get now. But the I, thing I is like Jordan Lyles was even a little bit, Better than Andrew Heaney, even though he was one of the worst pitchers also last year? Not, not for the season. True.
1: For the season, I mean, Heaney was good. He, he was bad in New York. Uh, but you look at the cumulative numbers, uh, the ERA is kind of ugly. But what is he's, it? He's, he's, the, the cumulative ERA is 5.83. But the FIP, That's what is, I'm saying. the FIP is 4.85. Expected FIP is 4.12. Here's okay. what I think they like. 10.4 Ks per nine, 2.8 walks per nine. I think they feel like they can work with that. Um, an 18% home run to fly ball rate is is just egregious. unsustainably bad, I think. So I think they're just they're just hoping he'll bounce back at $8 million for them. I think that's more like $5 million, 4 million for anybody else. And uh, screw it. If he struggles in the rotation, he's still a great swing man type arm uh, that can that can just eat innings for you. So I, I think it's a great ad. And the second Dustin May gets back that's a guy that hops into the rotation and either takes one of those two spots. Matthew Boyd got 5.2 from the rival giants, you know, so is is it that much more for a guy that at least I'd had, rather have Boyd. He was hurt. Yeah, true. So it, yeah, it's true. interesting. I'm with you. Like I'm with you, but I, I can see it. I can see what the, and he made. he appeared in 30 games, he made 23 starts, he Pitched 130 innings last year strikes dudes out. Uh, but I understand that it was quite a catastrophe in the
0: Bronx. <laughs> it's I, I was my only goal there was to try and poke one hole in this off season. And we can't even really do it because there's a lot. There's at least a couple of reasons to be excited about Andrew Heaney. And if there's a couple of reasons to be excited at just eight million dollars on a one year deal, you can't really hate it because it is depth piece in the rotation. And when Dustin May comes back and if David Price can throw some innings, like you're not expecting Andrew Heaney to be the Starter or anything, and go all year. And if he does, it'd be amazing.
1: Yeah, it's it's. It, I think they're in a good spot, and he's definitely better than David Price at this juncture. I think. Like, I I think he, he he's going to be able to do a bit more. Um, but look at what Price. What happened with Price? They put they put Price in more of that eat innings garbage time role, and he was actually way way more effective. So if all goes to shit with Andrew Heaney, he can do that. Um, and I mean, yeah, it sucks that they lost Kenley. But how excited are you to watch maybe Blake Trin- Trinan turn into one of the best reliever or one of the best closers, excuse me, in baseball? I think that's a very feasible outcome here.
0: So Alex Bregman um, has been ranking a lot of top fives on YouTube. I actually really, really enjoy them. And he, what he was talking about, Blake Trinan's sinker, is that there's a most pitches in baseball, right? They can be absolutely disgusting. But if you've seen them a few times, you can at least know what's coming. Like You can adjust. You're a big league hitter. He says, no matter how many times you face Blake Trinan, you just can never adjust. And you even kind of know what's coming. Not really because he has the bender from hell to go along with the sinker. But the fact that a hitter like Alex Bregman singled Blake Trinan out saying, we can't adjust. We just simply cannot adjust to this pitch. Big league all-star MVP candidates saying that. That goes to show you how disgusting. And then they have another one of those in Bruiser or Gratterall. Like not one, then they have two. And then they have another one who's a starter in Dustin May. This is the turbo sinker team. And I love it. I'm really eager to see if they can, if they can translate
1: Gratterall's stuff into Ks the way that Blake Trinan's been able to. Because for whatever reason, that hasn't happened with Gratterall. Uh If it does, forget it. Forget, forget it. it
0: this is one of the best bullpens in baseball. You add Daniel Hudson, who's always been an effective reliever. Alex Vesey as a lefty. I really do like Justin Brule is another lefty that hasn't had a ton of success so far, but has shown flashes of excellent. And then I think uh, rookies that you've talked about, like Ryan Pepiot is a guy who's going to come up. Um, But then again, a couple more guys in their bullpen, like Evan Phillips and Caleb Ferguson, are guys who are going to eat innings this year, probably be in the four ERA. You know, it's pretty solid bullpen arms. They got in the back there. I do also think that the, Rodgers are going to add bullpen help at the deadline. I think it's a really, really good bullpen. I don't think it's on the level of the giants or the white Sox or the braves, but it's a top 10 bullpen easily. And you could probably argue it's top five. Like it's, it's going to be good again. The rotation is, is amazing. And the offense is one of the best lineups ever.
1: Yeah, no, it really is. It's really up there with any, and like you said, they could bring up Pepe out and he could be a lights out reliever from the jump. Um, And Andre Jackson is a guy that I think could develop into a guy like that. Don't sweep on Clayton beater as a guy that could end up getting a quick yank up to the big leagues and being a nasty reliever, too. So they've got some built in guys. Also, Uh, they're going to be just fine in the bullpen department, too.
0: If I gave you a hundred two and a half line because we're about to do our betting episode on Friday. We're doing top 10 third baseman on, on Monday's episode will be our betting preview with team over unders and Cy Young's and all that good stuff. But, and I haven't looked yet at the team total yet for the Dodgers, but if I gave you one Oh two and a half over or under. Over, over, because,
1: you know, I don't think the giants are winning one Oh seven. And, uh, I, the rest of the divisions, you know, not that great. No, I think the Padres are going to be a four. So, yeah, I'm taking the over. Absolutely. Thoughts on, I think the National League as a whole got a little bit worse. Interesting. I definitely think the American League's stronger. So, so yeah, I, I think the, the National League as a whole. I mean, it's not like they're playing the Braves every day. Yeah, uh, so, playing, but they also will be playing some. They'll playing the NL East, but yeah, yeah I, th- I mean, like look at the Central. Hey, yeah, there's there's a lot more weak teams in in the in the National League. I think. Yeah, I, I would take the over on 102
0: without a doubt, without a doubt. And that'll do it for a grading. If you're enjoying this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, toss us a like. And we just want to thank all of our listeners on Spotify, Apple pods. If you could leave a five star review and tell us what you like about the podcast, we would definitely, definitely appreciate that. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying the content through the lockout. We are almost at opening day, people. April 7th, opening day. The rundown of what we're going to be doing until opening day. We're finishing out our ranks. We're grading all the off season. We're giving you betting previews as well as some cards to buy. Aram, you just made a video about Alex Kirloff. How you're excited to buy his card? That's what I want to end on.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I know you guys talked about him on the fantasy show. So we're hitting him from all angles now. Um, and and I really like his card price wise on eBay. So very excited uh, to keep giving those picks out every week on the TikTok. And uh, yeah, Kirloff, dude. I, I, one thing I think people really forget is when a guy hurts his hand or wrist and then comes back and struggles, they forget that a hand or wrist injury, just cause you came back and you're on the field. It doesn't mean it doesn't impact your swing and yeah. impact your, it, it really does. Like it hurts. really does. And, and that, and you're trying to hit hundred mile an hour fastballs. Like that's what was affecting him. He was on pace for 25 pumps and hundred runs driven in on a bad twins team. Now this twins lineup is way better and he's going to be a big part of it. I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's hitting 25 homers. I think he's hitting 285. I think he's driving in hundred plus. And that is a phenomenal year uh, for a guy that's 25 years old. I think Kirilov going to be one of those, uh, you know, breakout players this year.
0: I agree. I picked him to be my rookie of the year last year. He got a little bit injured. I think I was just a year too early because the talent doesn't lie. Get your Just Baseball merch in the episode description as well. And while you're down there, you got to go check out that interview with Jack Leiter with Arm on the call up. Uh, what else do we got to plug here go check out all of this stuff on just baseball.com we're doing a bunch of write ups for the season just baseball.com make that your home website for all baseball knowledge and make our Instagram at just baseball fans your Instagram moving forward for all baseball news and just baseball show at just baseball show on Instagram we're just posting memes posting stuff about the pod fun baseball stuff that we see and then on TikTok, you know we're driving the train with daily not gambling advice with every clips from the podcast the whole nine as well as arms go-to buying cards that you can get on eBay. Arm anything else before we go? Dude, we're
1: getting there. We're almost
0: there for opening
1: day. So I'm just really excited. And minor league opening day comes first, which is a rarity. So I'll be covering the hell out of that too. So very excited from all angles
0: for the baseball season. And with that, thank you, everybody.